Welcome today to our midweek Bible study called Morning Glory. I'm so happy that you are joining me today on this program. I would like to ask you to grab your Holy Bibles. Let's go today over to the book of Jeremiah chapter 15, and we want to get into the subject of food for the inner man. Praise the Lord. Now, let's begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures so that we can have understanding of them and help us to walk in your grace to be hearers and doers of your word. We thank you that you speak to us through your word and you've got something today that will feed us. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. We all agree and say, Amen. Now, we're in Jeremiah chapter 15, and let's start in verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind would not be favorable toward this people. Cast them out of my sight, and let them go forth. Well, that's a pretty dramatic statement from the Lord to say that even if Moses and Samuel were here, I'm not going to listen to their prayers of intercession. Now, we know that these two men are mentioned, Moses and Samuel, because of their great levels of prayer and intercession for the people of God. We see it with Moses in the book of Exodus chapter 17, verse 11, the classic story. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. I hope they had a cushion, maybe to put on top of the stone. Okay, and then it says, And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. But even Moses, with his great intercessory prayer heart, could not move God to stop from what he was about to do against his own people, the nation of Judah. Now, what I'm sharing today, let me just go ahead and say this. I'm not trying to make hidden allusions or concealed statements about the nation of America. God works differently in the new covenant than what he does from uh, our understanding of the old covenant. And so I'm not trying to say that God's going to judge America or wipe America out. Uh, I'm not trying to make a statement like that or convey something like that. I'm simply trying to work through an understanding of Jeremiah 15 so that we understand the context of what we're going to be viewing today. And when you understand the context, it makes a lot more sense. So Moses, a great man of prayer, and the same with the prophet Samuel. And we see in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20, then Samuel said to the people, do not fear, you have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Well, Israel wanted a king. And the Lord was their king, but that wasn't good enough for them. They wanted somebody physical. They wanted a man who would fight their battles and set up a government and all of that. And they got it. And uh, they're going to regret it because they're going to be welcomed to the world of taxation. 
They're going to be welcome to the world of the military draft where the king can just take your son. Uh, you, you know, if he looks like a good soldier, he'll just take him. He, he can, so the king and uh, all of the things that are going to be established through that uh, are going to be something that eventually uh, will be a great burden for the people of Israel. And really, David did a great job as king. Solomon took the nation of Israel into what was called the golden age, but really, if you examine it more closely, it was really the golden age of taxation, because when Solomon, uh, when his reign was finished, you know, the people really kind of vented what was on their heart. Hey, we've been taxed to pieces. I mean, <laughs> hey, you're taking 80% of our income. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this whole king thing works only when God is behind it through the right leader who will not abuse the people of God. And of course, David did a good job of honoring God's word, God's ways. Uh, but nevertheless, even though the people made a mistake, uh, it, was a, it was a very grievous mistake. In verse 23, Samuel said this, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. So Samuel said, well, you've made a big mistake, but you know what? I'm not going to stop praying for you because that would be a sin for me to do that. So uh, you could technically say that a prayerless life is actually sinful in the eyes of God. So we need to pray for our leaders, pray for the church, pray for the nation of Israel. Uh, the bottom line is just good to pray. Praise the Lord. Now, even with these great examples of prayer, even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind, God say it, he's saying, my mind's not going to change towards them. And you'll understand why better when you read uh, verse two and three. And it shall be, if they say to you, where should we go? Then you shall tell them, thus says the Lord, such as for death to death and such as for the sword to the sword and such as for the famine to the famine, and such as for the captivity to the captivity. And I will appoint over them four forms of destruction. Those four forms are, number one, the sword. Ouch, what a painful way to die. Number two, the famine, which is pretty excruciating. There's a lot of pain involved in starvation. Number three, uh, captivity. That's no fun, being hauled off to somewhere that you don't want to go and leaving the area that you're comfortable with, especially when where they're going to be taken to is literally 1,000 miles away. That's a long hike. That's a long journey to make under good conditions, much less when you're being marched through the desert as a captive foe. And number four, through the dispersion. They're going to be dispersed all over the place. Now, you will have many that are going to settle there in Babylon. Many of the Jews eventually come back, but a lot of them stay there. And, of course, many others, also because of the northern dispersion that's already taken place in the captivity with the Assyrians, uh, it's, they're going to, the Jews will literally be spread all over the world. Now, Pastor Stephen, why is all of this going on? Verse 4, I will hand them over to trouble to all kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for what he did in Jerusalem. Well, this is really, uh, it's an amazing story of Manasseh. He was the son of Hezekiah. Hezekiah 
you know, he was about to die. He was the king of Judah. Hezekiah was about to die and said, Lord, hey, you know, I've served you and I've, I've been good to you and you've been good to me and we've got a good thing going on. Lord, would you let me live? And the Lord said, I'm going to give you 15 more years. Well, in that 15-year time frame, he had another son and that son was the young man that became king at the age of 12 and his name was Manasseh. And you would think with a very godly father, hey, this is going to turn out really good. Uh, it turned out really, really bad. Now, later on, Manasseh is going to repent, and he's going to get his own life right with God. But he had pulled the nation into, into such a pit of sin that he out all of the other heathen paganistic nations that were around him. So all of the other Canaanite nations that God originally told the Israelites with a mandate, drive them out because their sin is so bad that the land is ready to vomit them out. Well, the people of Judah, they had outdone as far as the sin level, all of the uh, Canaanites. So, and that was all under the leadership of Manasseh. He took Judah into a level of apostasy and sin that had never been seen before in even the entire land, not just of Israel, but even in the land of Canaan. Now, what exactly did Manasseh do? Well, the first thing and the number one thing he did is that when he became king after his father Hezekiah died, when he became king, he immediately began to undo all of the godly reforms that his father had made. And there were a lot of reforms that uh, were good because reformation is very important. You're getting things in line or reforming things into a biblical kingdom governmental structure. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have revival because revival deals with the heart. Reformation deals with structures and formats and doctrine and teaching, and that's extremely important, <laughs> okay? Uh, such as the, uh, the, the Reformation led by Martin Luther, which was a enlightenment or illumination that the just shall live by faith. We're not justified by our good works because you can never be good enough to get into heaven because all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. But uh, here's Manasseh going around undoing all the reformations that his father had established. Number two, Manasseh rebuilt the shrines of Baal and Ashtoreth plus he added all of the new gods that he incorporated from his knowledge of the northern kingdom of Israel, all of the surrounding false deities. He brought them all in into Jerusalem. Number three, he desecrated the holy temple there in Jerusalem by putting altars to foreign gods, to demons, literally there in the temple itself. Oh, he was pretty brazen, wasn't he? He was, he was, uh, he was a wild one, that's for sure. And you have to understand, really, without getting into the, uh, the ugliness of it, what he was actually doing there at the temple. Uh, he desecrated it, but by bringing in the Asherahs. Asherah was the female deity that the Canaanites worshipped. Uh, she was the goddess of fertility. So when he's putting that statue of this pagan god of fertility or goddess of fertility there in the temple, 
Really, what he's doing is he's turning the temple into a brothel where there is now cult prostitution taking place there at the temple. It's bad. It was really bad. So uh, there's going to be a big penalty for it, but he, he really sunk the nation deep, and he wasn't even done. Uh, he also sacrificed his own son, burning him publicly in fire to the wicked, evil idol, uh, idol called Molech. So he takes his own son, who was supposed to rule in his place later, and he burns him there at the altar of Molech. What a disgusting thing. Wow, incredible. Next, he murdered many innocent people. We see this in 2 Kings chapter 21. I think it would be good for us to see this. 2 Kings 21 verse 16. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood. So it's not, it's not the shedding of blood uh, of like his enemies. This is the shedding of innocent blood. The, he's killing good people that are saying, King, please, please don't do this. This is not right. Oh, kill that person. So <laughs> he's shedding a whole lot of innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Wow. So that, that was a lot of blood. Uh, incredible. Uh, the rabbinical teaching is that the esteemed prophet Isaiah, you know, who uh, uh, goes right before the book of Jeremiah, that it was Manasseh who actually had Isaiah, the prophet, executed. And he did it in a very uh, gruesome way. He had the prophet Isaiah sawn, cut, in half. Now, we do know that the Apostle Paul spoke in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 37, about the saints from the Old Testament who kept the faith, and some of them went through great suffering and persecution because they did not compromise their faith, and he mentions those who were sawn asunder, or in other words, those who were cut in half. And while Paul does not mention that that was Isaiah in that category, Jewish rabbinical teaching uh, does have it recorded in their history that, yes, Isaiah was one of those people cut in half. So he was, uh, uh, this uh, King Manasseh was a really, really bad guy. Um, let's go further. Number six, he pulled the entire nation of Judah into the occult practices of black magic, the dark arts, really uh, nothing short of full-blown Satanism. We see this again in 2 Kings chapter 21, this time in verse 6. Speaking of Manasseh, it says, Also he made his son pass through the fire, practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, and consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. So all of this is built to the point where Judah is not repenting. And uh, the Lord is telling Jeremiah, look, even if Moses and Samuel started praying, Lord, stop, uh, stop, stop your judgment. The Lord says it's gone too far. I'm not going to stop uh, with the judgment that I'm going to bring because of the great evil that's been done. So that's the purpose. And when we understand the context, what we're going to see in just a few minutes begins to paint a more accurate picture. Now, what happens in the nutshell to Manasseh is that when 
the Babylonian army sweeps down into the land of Judah. Now remember, Israel was split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom after the death of Solomon. And the southern kingdom, you had the big tribe of Judah. Judah means praise. You could call it the tribe of praise. Anyhow, uh, Judah was a very large tribe, but their neighboring tribe was that of Benjamin. And I like, I, I like the tribe of Benjamin. If I relate to any tribe spiritually. You know, Pastor Stephen, what's your spiritual tribe? Oh, it would probably be Benjamin because it talks so much in the Bible about of Benjamin, how their men were left-handed. So I'm left-handed in case you haven't noticed <laughs> and uh, drinking with my left hand and all of that stuff. So perhaps if I would have been back in those days, I would have been of the tribe of Benjamin. And Benjamin, you know, produced uh, some pretty well-known people. You had Saul, the first king. You had uh, the apostle Paul, who was, uh, his you know, initial name was Saul. Uh, of course, he would have been named after the king Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. So it created a lot of noble people. But that tribe was a very small tribe. And it was basically over time, just kind of absorbed into Judah. So all of the southern kingdom, which is Judah and Benjamin, now known basically as Judah, all got just um, defeated and taken into captivity by the Babylonians and their invasion into the land of Israel. Now, the captured people, which was almost everybody, was marched, they were all marched to Iraq. That's a thousand miles away. And there, in a dirty, filthy, dungeon prison cell, sat Manasseh, the former king of Israel. And, you know, when they started that march, the Babylonians put hooks through the noses of, of the king and, you know, the, the, the so-called royal family and anybody that was in high official. They put hooks through their nose, including Manasseh, a metal hook through his nose, hooked onto a chain. Boy, can you imagine having somebody yank that chain? Whoo! And put a, uh, a yoke around his neck with a chain. I mean, he was just, he was loaded up with uh, a new type of jewelry. <laughs> so marched him a thousand miles through the desert. But while he's sitting in that horrible dungeon cell, he repented and said, Lord, uh, we, don't, we don't actually know what his prayer was. Um, there is an apocrypha prayer, but it's, it's apocrypha. Uh, let me say it like this. It doesn't belong in the canon of Scripture because it's not legit. It's something that somebody made up some other time. Uh, so it's not, it's not the real prayer of Manasseh. But he obviously prayed some type of prayer because God restored him, and, he, and it says that he repented. So he turned his heart back to the Lord, and it was a deep repentance. And the wildest thing happened uh, yes, God forgave him, but the Lord gave him favor in the eyes of the king of Babylon, and the king of Babylon takes him out of the prison and sends him back to Judah, back to Israel as the king. Wow. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And so when Manasseh gets back, he's a changed guy. He has, had a, uh, he has gone from the darkest of the dark. Now God has cleansed him and forgiven him. And he's just wanting to live right now. He starts a reformation and he's like pulling down all the idols and all the garbage that he had initiated. He stops it and, uh, it starts to cleanse the temple. Uh, the only problem was that he was changed, but the people had had a taste for sin. Judah had gotten a taste of, of, of nasty things. And for whatever reason, they said, we don't want to give it up. We want to keep it. And God said, because of that, 
Because of that, judgment's coming. And Manasseh tried to lead them into, uh, you know, revival, but they would they refused. They were like, nope, we like our idols. We like what we're doing. Uh, Manasseh, you can do whatever you want to do. And, but Judah just said, we're not changing for anything. And so that's why they were all taken into captivity. Wow. And when they reached Babylon, uh, it, it's amazing. Uh, Babylon is really uh, only about two or three miles from the modern-day city of Hila, H-I-L-A, which is there in Iraq. Because it's still, the ancient city of Babylon is still there. It's just you know pretty much in ruins and stuff like that. But uh, you can still see it on Google Maps and, and everything. But when I was in Berlin, Germany some years back, there at the Pergamum Museum, you can see the actual literal Babylon gates that the Jews from Judah literally walked through those same gates when they were ushered into the, they were the gates on the northern side of the massive city of Babylon, which was one of the wonders of the world and the hanging gardens that it had and all of that. They walked literally through those gates. And you can go to Germany, to Berlin, and they, they, they moved them from Babylon all the way to Germany. You could actually touch them. And there are these beautiful blue uh, tiles with uh, uh, these engravings of dragons and, you know, uh, creatures that they worshipped and so forth. But uh, it's very beautiful. Uh, but you think, wow, that's pretty old, several thousand years old. But my friends, that all happened because of the great sin that the people were all tangled up in. And now here's the prophet Jeremiah saying, repent, <laughs> because you're all going to go into captivity. Oh, no, we're not. Yes, you are. No, we're not. And back and forth, God's working through Jeremiah, trying to awaken the people to repentance, and they're not having anything to do with it. So let's go now to verse 11. Jeremiah 15, verse 11. The Lord said, surely, it will be well with your remnant. Surely I will cause the enemy to intercede with you in the time of adversity and in the time of affliction. Now, verse 14, and I will make you cross over with your enemies into a land which you do not know. Uh, for a fire is kindled in my anger, which shall burn upon you. And that's exactly what happened. They were taken to a land that they did not know. Now, we need to continue on. It's going to get very interesting. Verse 15, O Lord, you know, Remember me and visit me. Now, this is Jeremiah crying out to the Lord. Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. Oh, he's getting a lot of persecution. Not from the Babylonians. <laughs> you know, uh, when Judah was uh, in, in Jerusalem was ransacked and everybody's taken captive, the, uh, the Babylonian soldiers with their general came up to Jeremiah they didn't kill him. They said, hey, we know who you're, you are. <laughs> you were the one trying to speak to your nation to repent of their wicked ways. We knew all about you. We heard the reports. And uh, so Jeremiah, you know, he was let go to do whatever he wanted to do. That's what the general said. Hey, you can, you can do whatever you want. You can come with us if you want. <laughs> who wants to go to Babylon? Or, you know, if you want, you can stay here. So, oh, my goodness. So he was protected. But he's saying, Lord, to, uh, take vengeance for me on my persecutors. The persecutors are not the Babylonians. They are the Jews who are refusing 
uh, with like uh, these hardened foreheads to hear anything that the prophet is saying. And they're saying to him, you're the false prophet. You're the liar. You're the one making up stories. You're the one upsetting the government. And you're the one causing all the chaos. And uh, you're the problem, in other words. And, you know, that really began to wear on him. And it was very, very difficult for him. Now, verse 16, Jeremiah continues to talk to the Lord. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. So here, Jeremiah tells the Lord how much the Lord's word means to him. He says, your words were found. The fact that they were found implies to us that there was searching going on by Jeremiah, searching, praying, waiting, spending time with the Lord so that he could acquire that word. And he would get that word, and then he would prophesy that word, and he would share that word. Now, he said, your words were found, and I ate them. When he got the word of the Lord, he didn't do with it what the, the other Jews did. When he got the word, he didn't debate it. He, uh, he, he ate it, okay? When he got the word, he didn't doubt it. He ate it. But when he would give it to the Jews, they would despise it. They would say, oh, no, we don't believe that. That's not God speaking through you. And on and on it went. And so this was his strength. And he says, your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Now, right after he makes this amazing declaration of the beauty of God's word and really how it is the engine of his ministry. He continues to say some things that reveal he's in trouble and God is going to correct him. God's going to correct him, I would say firmly, but also lovingly. He, he, there is a correction and it needs to be made because he's getting off track. My friends, what Jeremiah has said in verse 16 is 100% truth. But here's the problem that Jeremiah had. He's talking about the way he used to live. Oh yes, he had the initial prophetic commissioning and the beauty and the glory of that. And God telling him things like, hey, before you were even born, I had already ordained you and set you apart as a prophet. Ooh, wow. I mean, so he's getting all this great stuff and God's saying, I'm going to, I'm going to make you like uh, so strong that no matter how hard they resist, you'll be stronger still and the word will prevail. And, and Jeremiah is launched into a very powerful ministry that is a nation shaking ministry. Other nations outside of Israel, outside of Judah are hearing about this great prophet, but it has the, the persecution and the isolation also of having to stand and having to stand alone when so many others have compromised, it's beginning to get to him. And that daily devotion has gotten disrupted. My friends, it is true that when you find the word of the Lord and you eat it, that it will produce joy and rejoicing in your heart. But that cannot be a once a month experience. That cannot be a once a year experience. You cannot be the prophet and have a blistering word uh, that, that's straight from heaven and you give it to the king and you give it to the royal court 
and you think, wow, that was awesome. Well, I'm good to go for two weeks. You know, I, I did my job. Well, you, you still have to have that word for your own strength. Wow, praise the Lord. So here we see the power source of Jeremiah's ministry. What is it? It's the searching to locate and find what we could call the preceding word. In other words, God's still talking. We live in a different age. We live in a different time. We live in a different decade. We live in a different year. So God has things to say about our current situation, what's going on in our world and our nation that we need to be listening to. So we need to find and search for the preceding word. What is the preceding word? It is the word proceeding out of the mouth of God right now. In other words, it's the now word. What is God saying right now? Mm. So the very thing that sustained Jeremiah, which was finding the word and eating the word, okay, that very thing which sustained him, which he previously practiced, he has now drifted from. And you see it quite clearly in these next few verses that we're going to look at now. He says, For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I did not sit in the assembly of the mockers, and there were a lot of mockers, people saying, oh, the Babylonians are never going to overtake us. They'll go back, and even if they attack, we'll fight them off. Uh, you know, we all know the history. The, Jerusalem, Judah, was completely conquered and hauled away. Verse 17, I did not sit in the assembly of the mockers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because of your hand. That's very, very important in a culture or society that wants to call wicked good and wants you to agree with it. And if you don't agree with it, well, uh, you know, we're going to stigmatize you and we're going to basically force you to stand on your own. Well, that will either do two things. One, it will either cause you to crumble or two, it will cause you to stand and become like a pillar, a foundation, a rock that others look to and that they're blessed and encouraged by. And you actually impart strength and grace to them. I sat alone because of your hand, for you have filled me with indignation. Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuses to be healed? Watch this, what he's about to say next. Will you surely be to me like an unreliable stream as waters that fail. Can you believe I'm reading words that Jeremiah said? Pastor Stephen, I thought this guy was a top prophet. Uh, he was. <laughs> but he's like also like Elijah. We're told in James chapter 5 in the New Testament that Elijah was a man who was human, just like you and I are. And Elijah also had his pity party moment. And he had a meltdown moment. Well, here you're seeing that moment with Jeremiah the prophet. And he basically tells the Lord that, that he considers the Lord to be an unreliable stream as waters that fail. Now, in the Hebrew, it's even worse. It denotes not only an unreliable stream, but it also denotes the meaning of a deceitful, lying stream. Woo! I told you, he's in trouble. He's in trouble. 
and the Lord's going to correct him. Why, Pastor Stephen? What happened to Jeremiah? He drifted from that place of finding that word and eating it. He, he told the Lord that that was a practice of his, but he has drifted from that. And you know what? He is pulled back from his ministry and he's not prophesying the way he's supposed to be. He's complaining. He's not declaring what God said and, you know, blasting those stubborn people who refuse to yield and saying, thus says the Lord, like it or not, this is what God says. He's totally backed off of it. He's gotten flustered. He's gotten confused and he's gotten dismayed. And that is a far cry from what finding the, the, the now word will do. Because when you have that preceding word from the Lord, you find it and you eat it, it will be to you joy and rejoicing in your heart of regardless of what's going on out there. Incredible. Incredible. So he hasn't found that word in the wild. That's why he's now saying, God, you're a lying, deceitful spring of water that I can't trust. In Israel, you have these wadis, these streams, and sometimes during rainy season, they can flow and overflow, and you think, that's a lot of water. But when it gets dry and it's not raining, those can dry up, and so it can leave you with, hey, I don't know really what to expect from this stream, and that's how he's trying to cast God as being. Verse 19, therefore, thus says the Lord. Okay, so Jeremiah has said his thing, and he meant it. Now, God is going to respond to that. Thus says the Lord, if you return. All right, so whenever you see that phrase, return, return to the Lord, if you return, it's the same thing in the New Testament Whereas in the New Testament written in Greek, it would give the word, our English word, repent. In the New Covenant, it says repent. Here, under the Old Covenant, it's the same meaning, just spoken with a different type of statement. That statement was return to the Lord. So the Lord says, if you return. In other words, Jeremiah, the issue is not with me. It's with you. And if you repent, <laughs> aren't you glad God doesn't pull any punches? Aren't you glad that God doesn't say, well, I'll tell you what, I really have been on vacation too much, and uh, I, I, I let the angels run the show for a while, and, you know, me and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we left to the farther distant edge of the galaxy, and, you know, we had a nice time. We're just now getting back, and sorry, things kind of got out of control while we're gone, but you and I both know that that's never going to be the case. If something's off, it's not with the Lord ever. And we have to find and search and see what's going on. So he says, if you return, in other words, you've drifted, you're out of place. You have abandoned your prophetic ministry. You're not speaking with fire and anointing and unction like you should be. You've drifted. So whenever you're ready to get right, we can get on with things. If you return, then I will bring you back. Back what? Back to that place of full power, full anointing, prophet's office, prophet's ministry. Because you can't prophesy when you're in uh, gloom and despair and hopelessness. You can't. You're, the, the faith is completely knocked out of you. You prophesy by faith. All the gifts of the Spirit, they operate by faith. And if you're not in faith, there's not going to be any prophesying going on. If you return, then I will bring you back. You shall stand before me. Now that, that phrase, you shall stand before me, denotes that 
God is king, you standing before him means that you are his ambassador. Therefore, he's saying, Jeremiah, I will reposition you back into that position of being a vice regent for me, where you are literally speaking on my behalf. So whenever you're ready to repent, get right. Let's get this thing rolling again. Mm-mm. Then I will bring you back. You shall stand before me if you take out the precious from the vile. This gets into the physical element of separating metal. You could call it metallurgy or assaying of metals, where you have to get the impure away from the pure. So if you take out the precious from the vial, you shall be as my mouth. Look, Jeremiah, if you'll get all this complaining and all of this, oh, they haven't been nice to me. If you get all of that, dismiss all of that, and get back on task, get back on the focus, get back to searching out that word, finding it and eating it. If you're willing to make that separation, then you're going to stand before me and you're going to be one that will continue to declare my word. Praise the Lord. And what is going on also is that the people of Judah, they're pressuring, severely pressuring Jeremiah to go along with their sin. Come on, Jeremiah, it's no big deal. So they're trying to get him to compromise his beliefs and to give compliance to their sin. And he's not going to do it. Now, he is not giving into that, but he is wearied by the lying, deceiving pressure that they're trying to bring against him. So God's just trying to say, get back on assignment. Get back with me. Get back into my word and be able to separate what they're calling good as wicked and evil. Can't you, Remember, we talked about Manasseh. I told you all the things that he had done that outdid everything the original Canaanite nations had done. And now they're trying to tell Jeremiah, oh, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with this. So Jeremiah, he has to regroup and get back on the word and be ready to unload and say, no, if God says this is wrong, it's wrong. If God says this is right, it's all good. But the moment he said it's wrong and evil, it can never be changed. It's evil and it's wrong. And you just, you refuse to compromise and you make that stand. And when you do, when you make that separation, when you take out the precious from the vial, he says, you shall be as my mouth. But if you've got mixture, if you, if now you're a muddy stream and he cannot speak through you the way he wants to, because you're compromised on the inside, you have to deal with those things. You shall be as my mouth. Now he says, let them return to you, but you must not return to them. Let them now you're going to start prophesying again. So they're going to come back. Let them return to you, but don't you dare go over and, and side with them and say, Hey, I understand, you know, everybody's got their things and just go ahead. God understands. No, 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 don't, don't do that. They're going to come back. Keep giving that word, but don't you go over to them and side with them and give, uh, give into a, and make compliance with their sinful ways. Don't absolutely. Don't you do that? Mm-mm. And I will make you to this people a fortified bronze wall, and they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. It's just like arrows hitting against a bronze wall, bouncing off. All of their verbal 
uh, statements and all of their uh, hurling accusations. It's not going to affect him. God's going to make him like a bronze wall. I will deliver you from the hand. Well, let me back up just a little bit, finish at verse 20. He says, and they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you to save you. I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked. I will redeem you from the grip of the terrible. And my friends, I want you to know today, right now, that that is a proceeding word from the Lord. That is a now word if you will believe it. And if you will eat it and consume it, it will produce that joy and that happiness within your spirit that regardless of pandemonium and weird, bizarre things going on, uh, not only in our nation, but throughout the planet, you can be strong and God will deliver you and protect you from the wicked and you will be kept safe. You know, it's amazing. You think, how did Jeremiah live through this? I mean, there's people getting chopped to pieces with the sword. Uh, there is famine. People are starving to death. Uh, it's a real mess, but he went right through it. Uh, he just, just keep preaching that word, stay faithful to the Lord. And he just went right through it, went right on through it. And even when the, uh, the army showed up itself, they said, Hey, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord. So he gets back on track because there's a lot more in the book of Jeremiah. Of course, he gets back on track. He just needed some correction. And I believe that if you will seek out that word, because there's all kinds of voices now on the internet saying uh, everything from doom, gloom to, uh, you know, from every end of the spectrum and all in between. So you have to really get into the scriptures and spend time with God, hang out with the Lord, and that word will come to you. And I know for so many of you that you watch these programs not uh, so much because you're just like, well, I wonder what Pastor Stephen's talking about or, you know, or uh, what kind of a shirt is he wearing today or something like that. Those things, you know, that's not what it's about. You come here because you're looking to find that word. You are, you are a seeker, a hunter for that word that you can find and know, oh, that's the word. That's it. And then you want to eat it. And then it will relieve anxiety or pressure or worry or fear, and you will be left in a place of strength and even joyful and happy on the inside. Now, once Jeremiah has made that commitment to repent, to return to the Lord, and he does, then the Lord doesn't waste any time. Uh, I'm not going to get into it really, but in Jeremiah chapter 16, he says, don't even take a wife. Well, you might think, Pastor Stephen, why? Well, look what he said. The word of the Lord also came to me saying, you shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. For thus says the Lord concerning the sons and daughters who are born in this place and concerning their mothers who bore them and their fathers who begot them in this land, they shall die gruesome deaths. So all those attractive young ladies that, you know, he's thinking, hey, maybe that one would make a good, you know, wife. God says, no, none of them have any interest in me at all. They don't want to serve me. They want to worship demons and idols, and they're all going to die gruesome deaths. So don't even think about getting married. Woo! And Jeremiah, see, he's, he's, still, he's hearing that from the Lord. So he's getting that word and he's eating that. He's like, okay, uh, Lord, I'll lock on with you with that. And then it's, the Lord said, they shall be consumed by the sword and by famine. And their corpses 
shall be, listen to this, their corpses shall be meat for the birds of heaven and for the beast of the earth. For thus says the Lord, do not enter the house of mourning, nor go to lament or, or bemoan them. For I have taken away my peace from this people, says the Lord, loving kindness and mercies. Now, in the mentality of a Jewish person living during that day, the ultimate desecration in the mind of a Jew is to die a death in which your body is greatly dishonored upon death or after death. And the Lord is telling Jeremiah that the punishment and the trauma coming up on, upon the nation will be so severe that even all the nice young ladies that are, that are going around, they're all going to die too. Not only will they die, nobody's going to be there to bury them. The Babylonian soldiers, they're certainly not going to bury anybody. They don't care about that. They're just going to let the bodies fall right on the ground where they kill them at. Those that die by famine, your body's just going to lay there. And birds will lay on your body or land on your body and eat you. And wild animals like dogs will tear you apart and eat you. In the minds of a Jewish person in this culture, in this time, that was the most horrifying uh, awful thing that could ever happen to a person. That, uh, there's something about that in the mentality of them that they want there to be dignity in death. And Jeremiah is saying, you're not going to have any. It's going to be worse than you can even imagine. Your bodies are just going to decompose in front of uh, everybody else and animals are going to eat it. So it was really, really bad. And still, and still they would not repent. My friends, regardless of what's going on in the earth, and we want to pray for our nation, pray for our, our president, pray for Israel and the prime minister, and uh, for world evangelism as well, for souls to be saved, the most important thing is that you feed on that word that sustains you. Now, I do have a word from the Lord for you today, and I believe that this will be uh, a word that you can eat and you will find that it will produce in you the same thing that Jeremiah found when the Lord spoke to him, when he found the word, and it caused joy and, uh, and, and happiness on the inside of his heart. And this would be just one more chapter over, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7. And this is what it says. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters. Now see yourself right now as a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. Okay, so you're by a river. There's a river going by, and your roots are going down real deep. And it says that person will not fear when heat comes. Okay, so whether it's financial heat or the heat of a medical report that's not good, or the heat of a job layoff or, you know, recession or things like that. It says that you will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green. Well, Pastor Stephen, how can our leaf be green when everybody else's is brown? They're not living off the, let me say it like this. They're not eating the word that's life-sustaining, life-guiding, life-providing. It's a supernatural word. They're not, they're not eating it. They're not even looking for it. They're, they're eating the news. Mm -mm. But its leaf will be green, and you will not be anxious in the year of drought. So even if there is a drought, even if there are layoffs, you will not be anxious or worried because you have roots 
in the Lord that go down real deep into that water, that river of God, and you'll always, always be green. No matter what, no matter, and no matter where you're at, this word will prevail over any external circumstances that are in the earth today, whether it's sword or famine or drought, it doesn't matter. This word, when you eat it, will take you above all of these other things. Nor will cease, talking about you as a tree, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So you'll always be yielding fruit. Well, Pastor Stephen, uh, I just heard that this one company laid off thousands of people. How can we be yielding fruit? Well, that's up to God as to how, but you will if you believe that that word is able to sustain you. And let me tell you right now, if you drift like Jeremiah did from finding that word and eating it, you will go into depression. You will go into doubt and unbelief. You will go into fear. And if you maintain that, it will get worse and you will go into hopelessness. But that's not going to happen to you. Jeremiah said, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Say right now, say this out loud with your mouth right now. I'm not going under, I'm going over. Say, I cannot be defeated because I am in Christ and my leaves will always be green. Say, I will never wither. I will never wither. My roots go into the river of God's word. I will always be fresh and strong and healthy. Woo! Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, we'll just see if Jeremiah can make it, make it or not. Well, he made it. We know the rest of the story. <laughs> uh, uh, arrows flying, swords ripping through the, through the land. And he's just, you know, he's just doing his thing. Get back on task, Jeremiah. Get back on the word. Speak, prophesy, say the word that God is saying. God is saying. Speak what God is saying. Mm -mm. And let me say it's good. I really do believe in my heart that the end will not yet come until we have the great harvest. And we we've, uh, have seen the church harvest many souls, but we have never seen a great end-time outpouring of the Spirit of God with great miracles and power and great amounts of souls pulled in like what has been prophesied and spoken of in Scripture. So, my friends, we need to stay busy, stay on task, stay focused. I believe that God is not done with America, that God is going to do some surprise things in America. Woo! Praise the Lord. So, be looking for it, and uh, nothing's going to stop it. Uh, socialistic doctrine is not going to stop it. Atheistic communism is not going to stop it. The, the word is going to prevail. God has a, uh, he still has a mighty, mighty remnant. And God always works through the remnant. That's how he worked with Israel. That's how he's working with America because Israel belongs to God and America belongs to God. Both nations were dedicated to the Lord and God is not through yet with the destiny of America. The church will accomplish its purpose, and we will see the great commission fulfilled. Praise the Lord. So, unpack your tribulation suitcases, uh, get a refund on your tickets, 
to move out into the remote wild Yukon. Uh, probably not a good idea. You're probably going to die from mosquitoes out there. Come on back. Get plugged in. Do what God called you to do. Be where God called you to be. Stay on task. Stay on task. Stay on the word. And you'll just keep moving forward. You'll keep moving forward. And it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Praise God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that as we search for it, we find the meal that feeds us and makes our hearts happy. So I thank you, Father God, that you have spoken and you have said that we are like the tree that's planted by the waters, the roots going down, and we're always going to be green regardless of the heat. I thank you, Father, that your people have a supernatural exemption from the heat of the earth's systems, of Babylonian systems, of sin, of uh, uh, all the stuff that goes on out there. We thank you for a protective hedge. We thank you for the blood covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we choose to believe your word and stand on it. And we thank you, Father. We thank you that even if a thousand fall at our left or 10,000 at our right, it will not come near us. We have protection and we're going to stay green. We're going to keep on praising you. We thank you, Father. I pray you bless your people, bless your people with their spiritual food for their inner man. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you're watching today and you don't know the great Jehovah God, as your God, maybe you've been bowing down uh, like the Jews of old did at this point, and uh, you're into idolatry, and you're worshiping all kinds of things. My friends, there's only one true God, the Father, His Son, whose name is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, but yet one God. It's a mystery. Uh, we'll, we'll do some teaching on that some other time. But you must give your heart to the Lord, Jesus Christ, laid his life down, came to earth, laid his life down as a ransom for you so that you could receive forgiveness of sins. He took all of your sins upon him, upon himself. He bore them at the cross at Calvary there in Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago. If you put your faith and trust in him, he'll give you new life on the inside and he'll forgive you of all your sins. If you want to receive him right now as your Lord and Savior, pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus... Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me now. I give my life completely to you. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you that I belong to you now. In your name I pray. Amen. And, I, and amen. Welcome to the family of God. If you're a Christian, but you have gotten away from the Lord and you're off in sin and you're hearing this message and the Holy Spirit's convicting you and he's endeavoring to pull you back, back into the heart of God. Come back right now. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I walked away from you and I've been in sin, but I repent and I return to you. I ask that you forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me clean, O oh God, with your, with your blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And I come back and I'm staying with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord forever. Somebody's getting delivered right now from drugs. Somebody's getting completely set free from drugs. 
there are some that are watching me. Um, uh, the drug would be heroin. Uh, you're being set free right now from heroin. Praise the Lord. There are a few that uh, for some reason, the Holy Spirit is touching this area today of those who would have addiction. There are a few also, you've been on crystal meth. You're being completely set free right now, and the Lord's going to heal your brain, and He's going to make everything beautiful in your life. He's going to restore you. So begin to praise Him right now and thank Him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Receive your deliverance right now. I break all controlling powers of the enemy off of your life. Receive God's healing power now. In Jesus' name, God's delivering anointing, receive now in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. And uh, you're sweating. You're being drenched in sweat right now. All of that stuff is coming out, and the desire is completely leaving you for that. You're also being cleansed from evil spirits. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's just praise the Lord for a moment. Those of you that are being delivered, begin to open your mouth and praise the Lord. As you praise the Lord, a new language will also come out of your mouth called tongues. Just begin to speak that out because you're being filled right now with the Holy Spirit. Glory, glory, glory. And I declare today that the Lord is faithful. He is faithful. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's take Holy Communion. Grab some unleavened bread. I like to use these little wafers because they're easy to keep in the refrigerator and they last a long time. But if you have something else that's small and flat, you can use that. Praise the Lord. And also some grape juice. And we're going to pray and take communion. Let's do that right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We pray over it. We set it apart as holy. This is now the flesh of Jesus and his precious blood. Father, when we look at it, we see we still see a little piece of bread and grape juice, but we thank you that this is the body and the blood of Christ under the hidden form of bread and juice. Thank you, Father, as we receive the body of Jesus. We thank you that you have, you have a meal for us. You have spiritual food for us, for our inner man. Lord, let us always be well-fed. Let us always search out that food and eat it, and, and just eat it. Thank you, Father God. We believe it. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Some of you have received some very accurate prophecies from very good sources, yet you still doubt the Word for some reason. Don't doubt the Word. Stop debating it. Stop you know, analyzing it. Just eat it. Eat it, and then it will produce the, uh, the, the nourishment and strength that food carries in it when it goes into your system. So receive it and believe it by faith. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Some of you have felt, have felt hesitant to believe certain prophecies over your life because you think it's too good and, I'm not, and you think you're not worthy. But it's not based on your worth or your merit because, or mine because we don't have any on our own. It's based on who we are in Christ. So if that's what the Lord says, I would say agree with it, believe it, eat the word, and then you'll see it come to pass because it's what God wants to do in your life. So go ahead and let him have his way and bring him glory and believe the word. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. 
Thank you for forgiveness of our sins. We ask that you would wash all of our sins away. We thank you, Father God, that when you forgive us of our sins, you also completely forget them. We give you praise for that for sure. Hallelujah. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Father, it was even your love. It was even your love to allow Judah to go into captivity so that they could see the consequences of their sin and hopefully repent, as many did, like Manasseh, lest they end up in a worse scenario, which is die in their sins and go to hell. So, Father, we thank you that you're so good. You do everything to try to stop us from sin and help us. We thank you for your mercy, the great links you go to us, uh, you, go, uh, you, uh, you go through to, in order to reach us and to help us. We thank you, Father God. You, we thank you. You helped Jeremiah when he got off track. You helped Elijah when he got off track. We thank you, Father. We make those adjustments and stay very, very close to you if that is something that needs to be adjusted. We give you praise. We thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. We agree and say amen. Let's receive the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Before closing today, let me remind you, my friends, that we are in the midst of raising ministry funds for a project that is called Internet Studio Refresh. We're going to refresh this studio, which is our internet studio that we use on Wednesday morning, and we're going to refresh the main sanctuary studio, the back wall area, uh, which is the Sunday morning uh, internet studio. So it's the refreshing of two internet studios. Our budget goal is $12,000. And anything that you would like to sow into that would be a great blessing. Just please listen to the Holy Spirit and just do whatever he would impress upon your heart to do. And I'm sure that we will reach that goal and we will continue to present all messages of the great word of God in a spirit of excellence. Praise the Lord. So thank you for helping us on this project. And until next time, stay blessed. Always eat your spiritual meal. Find it and eat it. All of. God bless you. See you next time. Bye-bye.